What is up, everyone? Hello, and welcome to this episode of the TSMU Q&A series. I'm your host this evening, Christian Homili. Um, if you've been trying to view us earlier, we apologize for the little technical difficulties, but we are going to switch this uh, to a, to a voice-only channel. Um, you guys will hear a beautiful voice shortly, but I'm sure it's familiar. Um, <laughs> then the quack will will lead into it, but if for myself, if you haven't met me yet, just a little info for those who, who for for those who haven't seen me before, um, I'm the global sales manager for TSM. I work with brands, I make deals, and I'm really the first introduction a lot of brands have into TSM. Um, you know, come up with a lot of fun activations that help pitch TSM and esports. Um, you know, you've you've heard it, we've you see his face, but I'm here today with a really really cool, dare I say, magical guest. The absolutely talented Mad Magical. Right. How are you doing, Magical? I'm doing good. You know, it, deja vu, I've already been in this place before, higher than this guy, and I, I forget the rest of the lyrics. Again, <laughs> I can't remember them all, but I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad that I'm here, and I'm really excited to answer any questions you have for me. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a ton uh, if we get there. Yeah. Uh, but quick, <laughs> quick reminder slash overview for those who have not seen the show for this Q and A, we'll be pulling questions from the TSMU Discord. So if you haven't, if you have a question, not haven't, if you have a question for Magical, please head to Discord.gg/tsmu and ask your questions in the Ask Stream Questions here channel. Uh, once you've asked your question, if it's a call-in, uh, please join the waiting room voice channel to wait to be selected to join us on their show. While people get their questions in, uh, Magical, why don't you tell, uh, tell us about yourself and a little bit of what, what you do for a shotcaster, well, as a shotcaster. Fast, good. Done. Tapped it. Cool. We're uh, good. I've, I've lowered it by one word. I'm down to three. I'm just trying to see if I can combine the three words now, so I only have one. Uh, for those who, are, who have just joined us and are timing up with a perfect, we, uh, we've tried this little bit quite some time now and we're, we have a little bit goal for ourselves uh, to, to try to cut down that intro by one word at a time in which Magical, I believe if I counting right, got it to three, four? Yep. Three, three, three yeah. this time. There's four last yeah. time. There you go. Huh. Yeah, yeah. All right, you want me to go into actual serious talk and like, okay, so I'm a play-by-play -play, uh, shoutcaster. I work on the path to LCS, the Academy broadcast for Riot. Me with the crew of Rafa, Yoshi, Cubby, Kangas, Mazel, and Kelsey Moser. We all put a ton of effort into it this year to really try to make Academy as good as possible. Where we all were like, okay, Academy's been good in the past, but we want to make it great. We want to make it amazing. Where people know these players that are being built up and invested into, into Academy. So when they go on to become like Jojapion in the LCS, People already know their story. They're already behind them. They're excited when they see them win their first time. They go, yes, we know how good this player has been in Academy. This is why we've been supporting him for so long. That's awesome. That's really, really cool to hear. Um, and I think one thing that I'm very, very, very much excited about the show is um, as it is dedicated towards young, aspiring individuals that may or may not, that may or may want to want to end up in a place like you. It's, you guys are in for a treat because you're going to be hearing a really cool background on what I think is one of the coolest jobs in esports. Um, just really hearing about the detail, the lighter in, ins and outs, day to days that you may not uh, know of, of about the role of shoutcasting. Um, so you'll hear it here first with Magical. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, we'll really carve out the onion, peel back the onion. Uh, yeah, I think we'll go with onion. that. Peel back the onion of what it's like to be a shot caller. With that said, let's head to the questions. Um, you know, our first one is, what got you interested in casting originally? So it's funny. For me, I have a very odd journey of becoming a shoutcaster because I actually had no intention of becoming a shoutcaster initially. I started streaming back in 2015. And that was actually what I wanted to do, was become a streamer. And this is before it really, it was still big, granted, but it hadn't really blown up to the degree it is now, where it's like, you could just become so filthy rich off streaming if you can get to that 0.00001% of people up at the top. I was doing this back when people could make a decent living, where it's like, it was cool to watch your favorite people who get like maybe 10,000 viewers. And I got a respectable like 25 to 50 viewers, usually like, towards the end of my streaming tenure back then. I will stream now occasionally, but not nearly like I did back then where it was like every day. And so uh, I, uh, I remember that people in my channel always wanted to play games with me. And oftentimes we'd get too full of lobbies. So we'd like do custom games, but then we'd have too many people. So 
someone uh, said, hey, why don't you try shoutcasting this? I'm like, what does that mean? Like, oh, it's like that now it's just like, you know, for LCS. I'm like, oh, that's what they call it. And so I did that, had fun. People were like, oh my God, we love your energy. It's so cool. Uh, you should try to see if you can do this like for bigger leagues. And I'm like, okay, sure. And so I reached out to one. It was called the Compete League. And they, at first, were going to only have me on there as like someone, like an observer. And then they saw how many followers I had on Twitch. And I think it was like triple how many they had. <laughs> so they're like, oh, no, he's got to be a shoutcaster. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. And I worked with somebody. I forget his name at the very beginning. But the second person I ever worked with was Ender. And Ender and I uh, just kept casting with each other for like a good long while. Like we helped build each other up during our first stages and the first years of shoutcasting. And so I completely by that point had switched out from streaming to shoutcasting because I just enjoyed it. I just had so much fun talking uh, talking about the game with someone who was also passionate about the game, getting excited and hyped for those big moments that it just le kept leading to one after another where people were like, oh, we'd love to bring you on for this. Oh, we'd love to bring you on for this. And it, it took me a while before I got my first paid thing because me and Ender both got paid for this. It was some Maltese league where we worked 12 hours and we made a total, like each one of us made total of 50 bucks and that's it for 12 and 12 hours of work and we were so elated for that we're like oh my god we're getting paid to shoutcast wow we've made it and <laughs> now it's just funny looking back at that and just and this was all back in like 2017 when like 2000 late 2016 is when i first started shoutcasting but it wasn't like as much as like 2017 when i really started getting into it working with ender that he would go on to the uh lec and I would go on to work with Cloud9 on their Academy broadcast. And it was just from there, just started becoming more of my job and something I love to do. So what I'm hearing is the early stages of compensation for shoutcasters is, is very much like when you're like 10 year old, 10 years old, 10 years old, and you just get a check, check, I don't know what 10 year old gets checked. You get your first little $10, $20 chore post reward. And it's like, yep. you go to a candy shop and you think you're rich. That's amazing. If you're lucky. That's like, that is one of the things it's, it's really rough at the very beginning because yeah. very few places are actually, like, especially like, uh, amateur things, they don't really have a budget. It's just some mm -hmm. friends who wanted to throw a tournament, and they're using their own dime from working hard. At, like, like I know for me, when I was doing the early stages of shoutcasting, I was also a manager of a sushi bar. I was oh, doing cool. both at the same time. So I'd go yeah. work all day, come home, shoutcast for a few hours, then go to bed, rinse and repeat every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I think just much indicative of a lot of jobs in esports. It's at first glance, at in the first beginning, the early roads is very much passion driven. Get your grind on, get that hustle on, and um, but you know, I think I think it's it's one of those now you you know you work you started at zero now you're here kind of stories. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Really cool. Yeah, mag magical. I I remember my first first experience. I was telling you this pre-show, but for the guests, I remember my first experience at one of these live events. Can you tell me a little bit about that first time you were on live stage with like with fans everywhere? Because when I was at PAX, uh, I, I got to go there in season before LCS kind of started early season ones. And I just remember from a fan perspective being there and just like, wow, I think that's for me personally what really launched me into wanting to be in esports. Do you have like a similar feel? I, I would imagine it's almost escalated times 100, amplified times 1,000 when, when you're when be on the shoutcasting stage for your first time live event. So, I mean, I've done a couple live events. It's been a while, though, because obviously with quarantine and COVID. Yeah. Um, but I used to do stuff for DreamHack and for Collegiate Star League way back in, like, 2017, 2018. And they would fly me out to the different DreamHacks, like to Atlanta, to Austin. And being on those stages was crazy because, you know, sure, it's not a massive crowd, but you have a crowd out there who cheer for their, their uh, college and stuff and get really invested. And I thought that was amazing. And then... Uh, I've also cast it at Riot, but each time I've always cast it at like the Riot Studios, like in where everyone would be for the crowd. We haven't been able to have a crowd due to obviously the restrictions. Mm -hmm. Um, like missing that point. I will say though, I was really happy with the just this last Proving Grounds uh finals. So the final week, I got the losers finals, and I got a cast with the players behind me, like right behind me. And you could, there's a. I, was, I think I was telling you about this before. There's like mm -hmm. this one player. In fact, that's where the picture that you guys see now comes from, where it was just this madness happening in game two, where somehow 100 Thieves were able to claw back and win this game after an Elder Baron 
uh, mm-hmm. steel and then dying and losing Baron again to the other to Golden Guardians. Then somehow having this massive flank from Busio, their support on Rakan, that sets up this win. And you could just hear the players in the background going crazy, like, yeah, like, you know, just absolutely going, shouting and screaming because how insane that game was. And it just felt electric. And yeah, I just th- loved that. That's awesome. See, see, I think that's that's one of the a, a really cool part of your job that I've never thought about until now, where, you know, you're obviously a storyteller. I mean, I think it's something like you said, you're, you want to carve out these narratives uh, that, that, that the fans really can relate to. But I'm sure there is almost a personal element to that, not only by being there and, and just kind of hearing the fans scream it and, and just kind of picking up off that energy that I'm sure they're excited or maybe sad. Um, but, but just from the personal relationships that you probably build too, and, and, and the discussions, I'm sure as you're kind of speaking on them, you almost kind of feel um, either the pain or, or the massive excitement, depending on which side of the smite you are. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things that just having the players there alone was already electric enough. And just knowing that there's, there's small, minute details where, like you said, it just depends on the, the coin flip from smite. Someone gets it, someone mm-hmm. doesn't. And hearing the reactions, like, from the team that got it, the excitement. But then you can also see the faces of the other team where it's like, you know, they're upset and stuff. And you almost just want to go give them a hug. You're like, it's okay. You got this. Just You can battle back. Just forget about that game. Yeah, no, that that's cool. That's a cool thing about obviously league, and I'm sure in a lot of ways normal sports, but every everyone is that feeling. At least I'm a juggler, so mm-hmm. I definitely know what it's like to either a miss a smite or just get out smited, yeah. or though you know obviously it's a little bit more complicated than that. But we don't have to get into there. But <laughs> I think <laughs> yes, guys, it's not always the juggler. Okay, sometimes it's about communication. Sometimes you're under leveled. It's not always my fault. Uh, but I digress. Jungle diff. <laughs> Jungle diff. Yes. Uh, but no, that's that's really cool. And I'm sure almost that you, through live excitement, you can kind of feel that pain. And that goes into it. And a lot of uh, what people don't really understand, that kind of goes into shot guessing. Um, but we'll move on to another question where Prem asked, you know, what reason did you have in deciding on going into casting as a career from a hobby as you started out? Um, uh, so, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I kind of talked about how it's like I started off streaming and then moved into casting. And it was, for me, it was never, never meant to be a career. It, I did not imagine I'd be at this stage. now. It was always, this is just a fun little thing I'm doing in my spare time, and I'm enjoying it. And I think it was not even that first paid event. That one was like, oh, it's just slicing on top, but this is not, this is not for me. This is not the life. It was after a DreamHack event, I was talking about that. I think it was uh, DreamHack Austin. I flew back, and when I got home, like, off the plane, I turned my phone off airplane mode, and I have two missed calls. One from Cloud9 and one from Team Liquid. And then I imme- obviously immediately called each of them back, respectively. And they both wanted to bring me on full-time as their in-house casters. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe that that's actually what they want to do. And I talked to them and ended up, uh, like, I think it was Cloud9 showed the most interest. Mm-hmm. So I was already more interested. Plus, that fits already my kind of wild and manic personality. I was, like, drawn to Cloud9. And it just, from there, I'm like, this can actually be a career. This can actually be something I do for the future. And I I'm now tasting that success as long as I keep trying. And that was back in 2018. Did you, uh, did you have that quintessential 80s moment after hanging up the call where you like, you just either scream, put your fist in the chair, and then maybe there's a real life screen pause. Because <laughs> I, I, when I got the call for TSM in my job, like I ran to the house five, maybe six times, definitely jumped in the air, was hoping God would pause that moment for me because I just remember that and it was the coolest feeling. And again, I'm sure like I, I, after hearing about all your hustle and the grind that you put in, that definitely seems like a TV pause moment. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I was a bit hungover from the event um, that I had just been to. So, but uh, internally, I was screaming. I didn't, I didn't want to actually do that because I was in the middle of the airport still when I had talked <laughs> to both teams. But I'm just like, oh my God. This is actually happening. I can't believe it. And then when I got home, I was just like a kid who just got told they're going to Disneyland. I was just like running back and forth like, woo, let's go. Yeah. Oh, I bet. No, that sounds like an amazing moment. Um, and again, really cool to see that that's, that's, that has since launched into uh, where you are now. 
Yep. Um, thinking back to the early stages, I guess, fresh, either fresh off the moment or even leading up to that particular moment, um, we have a question from Leanne who asks, what's something you wish you knew when you were, uh, when you started casting? Hmm. Let's see, something I wish I knew when I was starting casting. I guess the thing I would say is, uh, I wish I knew more about, like, managing your vo vocal cords and also, like, managing how you say things because mm. a lot of like singers a lot of people who know how to sing are actually really good at shout casting because mm -hmm. they understand you know the highs and lows the moments you have to hit for the impact and i didn't i studied politics back in college well i know how to speak in front of people it's very different than yelling getting excited and bringing out that energy it's there's so much more to it these fine uh, these really uh I'm trying to think like these really important small moments that you don't think are small in the moment, but everyone will feel and planning out some of the things you're going to say. Cause when I first started casting, it was just literally say everything that I see. I still do that to some degree and that's something I need to work on, mm -hmm. but I'm now getting more of those important moments that I can highlight during games where it brings out that impact of it. And so it's just something that I had wished I knew earlier on that maybe now I'd be even further in my career than I currently am. Like, like to paint a picture coming like in like your inflection of voice or is there is that kind of just like how you manage almost like if you're reading a novel but live and, and you're kind of making up the words on the spot? Um it's more it's more just the emotion. More the Got emotion it. of everything. Like I get invested in the moment. I get excited, but it's hard to properly bring that into a a, a singular moment. A lot of people struggle with that because they'll just be excited all the time or not at all. And mm -hmm. I'm I'm in the former camp where I'm excited all the time. So, but that doesn't make that certain like Baron Steel or Elder Dragon Steel feel that more impactful because I've just been excited this whole time, so it all feels the same. Yeah, I too am on the other side of I'm always excited. Yeah. Uh, and for when I'm watching a game, it could literally be like, oh my God, he missed a CS. Or Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's yep. just like the most basic moments. Uh, you know, totally, obviously acceptable if it's a cannon minion. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. No, that's 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 funny. Uh, you know, yeah, I follow up question from that. You uh, you made the comparison to a singer. Do you have vocal warm-ups that you do in similar vein? I know we actually were talking about this earlier. Maybe we live workshop this if you can show so, me a, a quick warm-up that you can teach me. So I can't sing. I'll I'll be the first to admit I have no <laughs> ability to sing. I am an anomaly anomaly when it comes to the shoutcasting world where everyone else likes to go to karaoke and they can sing to some degree. I can't. My whole family, we don't have an ability. I don't know why. It's just my whole family. We don't have an ability to. It's fine. So what I do instead are tongue twisters. I go, how much wood woodchuck chuck of woodchuck chuck woody? Chuck to do with the woodchuck wood of woodchuck chuck wood. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle pepper, so peck of pickle pepper, Peter Piper picked. Now, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle pepper, so where's a peck of pickle pepper, Peter Piper picked? Wow! Let me do a quick clap. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck of a woodchuck chuck wood? All right, that's that's all I got. You don't want to do the Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle pepper, and where's the pickle pepper? All right, wait, wait, break that down for me. Peter Piper picked a pepper. No, you know what? We're going to move on to. Just kidding. That's awesome! Wow, what yeah. words is that? that? That that's a fun one. I I was I always know about the, the la 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 or like the. the that's the, usually the... what people go for. I will say, yeah. if you want a really fun tongue twister, uh, it, it's um, I'm not the pheasant plucker. I'm the pheasant plucker's son. I'm only plucking pheasants till the pheasant plucker's done. Because if you mess that one up, you say pleasant fucker. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, if you're on riot, that's a fine. Yep, exactly. So, <laughs> but so that, that was a fun one. <laughs> On TSMU, we can cuss all we want because that's. Nope. A... <laughs> you told that's me funny. that before, so that's why I'm like, I'm allowed to tell you how the 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 fuck up is for that one because it's hilarious. There's a safety net at TSM. He's practicing for his uh the weekend matches. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, let's move on to the other question. Um, Prem asked, "Do you feel casting space in esports is currently overstated slash highly competitive? What advice would you give to those who either want to start casting, gain bigger exposure, or even level up their casting?" I mean, it is. I would argue right now is probably the most competitive casting's mm. ever been. Even when I started, it wasn't that that competitive because mm -hmm. there weren't really that, that many pipelines in order to grow, build yourself up. Like, I was technically, if you want to call it a class, I was a class younger than Flowers. 
And when I was getting into casting, he was like the the top amateur caster. And many people, like when I first started casting, would compare me to him in like that sphere. So seeing him grow, I'm always very proud of Clayton, and he's a phenomenal person, a phenomenal caster. But that that it's also there wasn't as many uh, casters back then. There were some, but not nearly to the degree we see now because people now see it as an actual career an actual mm -hmm. job there's a pipeline there's ways to grow there's ways to get bigger that's not just you constantly casting over every single thing so i would say that it is highly competitive and there are a couple ways for people who want to be casters to kind of like separate themselves to grow to get bigger or to get started the first one for getting started is simple get started doesn't matter if it's on your stream doesn't matter if it's with the company doesn't matter Go to, go to your friend's games. That, uh, like Turn on your own stream, on your own channel, on t uh, Twitch or YouTube or whatever. Get a game of your friends playing, spectate it, and shoutcast it. Even if it's by yourself, great practice. Great ways to get you start started. At least if you want to be a play-by-play, -play, if you want to be a color, then you want to uh, analyze things. Be like, okay, pause. This is where they made a mistake. This is what they can do better. This is how they can get that. And then, um, like, that's the big thing. And then if you want to work with an organization, there are plenty out there. There's, like, Risen Esports. There's uh, Unified that has a lot of broadcast stuff. There's, uh, I think there's still, I don't remember all of them because there's so many different ones. There's some of the unofficial broadcasts. I know the, the VCS, uh, which is the Vietnamese League, has one. Uh, the LJL has one. Uh, the Brazilian League, the C, uh, C, uh, C no, CB, uh, LOL. CB has LOL? One. Yeah. So it's like all these other ones have like unofficial ones that you can work on. Just know you're not going to get paid right away. Um, so that's just how you get started to gain more exposure or to level up. The thing that I tell people the most is, well, it's not even tell. I ask them, what sets you apart from everyone else? If you can't think of one, like a big thing that sets you apart, like personality wise, brand wise, et cetera, then you're just going to get lost in the, the woods. Nobody's no going to notice you because you're just the same as everyone else. This is where I think I've always had an advantage. I've always been the memer. The fun one, the crazy one, who will say weird things on broadcast while also being able to talk fast and also be able to bring the knowledge when needed to. So it always has given me that little bit of an edge over people where they see me on a broadcast and they know what they're getting. They see Magical and they, not everyone's going to like it. I know that. Not everyone's going to go, I love Magical, but there are a good amount who do like my cast. I always appreciate that. But they, even the people who don't like me know what they're going to get. They're going to get jokes. They're going to get some fun moments. They're also going to get hype moments. So you go into broadcasts where I'm a part of, and you'll expect that immediately. And you want that kind of reaction from viewers. You want them to know who you are right out the gates. That sets you apart immediately. That already gives you that foothold where you can say, this is why you want to hire me. This is why you want to look at me for the future. So, so that so you're almost basically creating a brand, right? It Not is. to think you of it from a sales angle. You are 100% yeah. creating a brand. That's awesome. So, what, what, and then what should we get? Is that is that the birth of the quack? Was right. that the I, I I found a natural integration of, of how to ask that question for those of you, you know before you the did. show. I want I wanted to find a reason. I wanted to get behind the curtain and get that question in there. What is the origin of the quack? Uh, just me being weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, creating I... a brand, magical. <laughs> creating a brand. That yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> So I actually started quacking back when I worked for a company called Super League back in like ah. 2019, and we would that was like my first real in studio uh, experience. Like with Cloud Nine, we were at the team house when we did that. We weren't really in a studio studio. The Super League, it was like an actual soundstage with a desk and a studio that was permanent. And so we'd always have to do the audio checks, and it was always the okay count to ten. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, uh, obviously, it's also getting louder each time. So in reality, it's more like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like that. But I just get bored of it. So I would just start quacking. Um, if they're like, everything okay? I go, Wank. and it just slowly became a thing where people would be like, wait, did he just quack? And so like with this year with Academy, it really blew up too because um, I would quack in the you know, in all the meetings we did for Academy. And at first, they would all be like, why are you quacking? And so my response was always, Quack. and finally, they learned not to say anything, but also, they would start quacking, too. <laughs> so I remember when we started doing Proving Grounds, and we brought in a lot of the amateur casters, 
Um, I was able to convince everybody but Cubby to quack at whenever someone joined the call. And so we'd have everyone, just, like someone new would join the call and we all, you just have like six people going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it was great. Now, so one, I'm one, I'm, I'm definitely picturing the, the, the awesome roster of amazing casters that I've, I've gone to know through, not in person, but through the streams, all quacking mm -hmm. in one room. Yep. And that and that that sounds one one. Obviously, you're you take tier one in your quacks. I'd imagine Freak <laughs> Freak has got to be up there with his quacks. If you ever oh no, no this quack, is this was with the academy with the academy ones. Yeah, yeah. Well. So unfortunately, <laughs> I although I have gotten Clayton and Captain Flowers to quack Flowers. Off, off broadcast. And same with uh, what was it? I got Emily quack. I've gotten Raz to quack. I've gotten uh, no Mark didn't quack. Mark Z did not quack. Uh, Lutigris. I got her to quack. Uh, I, so I'm working my way up. I'm working my way up to get people to quack. From that, now I'm picturing you like as a, a serial quacker or serial duckster, and you have like a target list. You just check <laughs> off who I've gotten to quack. Little nope. dartboard, just like toss it into there. Yes. yes. Freak is the one that has escaped your quackington. <laughs> well, see, uh, I mean, I'll, I'm going to work on it. I, I, ha I haven't gotten to work on a show with Freak. I, like I know him, we've met before. We've mm. talked uh, outside of broadcast, but we ha we haven't directly worked on the same show together. So him and Azale are two people I haven't worked directly with, but I do know and have talked many times with. Um, Pastry I know well, but I haven't been able to talk to him lately to get the yeah. quacks out of him. And same with Kobe. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, the cool thing is, I just again I don't know them in person at all, but I could definitely see them getting on that and what what i'm going to be looking for out the, from those names alone is whenever i watch a stream i'm going to be waiting for that quack and if i hear it that's just like a subtle call out i'm not going to say anything i don't care who's in the room i'm just going to pound pound my chest put my fist in the air and just say he did it the man the mad magical has done it i mean if you've seen any of my content it's also embracing the craziness so i've gotten i've gotten them uh, like I have one piece of content called the Quack Pack, where I essentially just get two of the Academy players in a call and have them trash talk one another mm -hmm. while I wear a duck shirt. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, it's simple, but I just like that it's called the Quack Pack because then I it gives me more reason to to quack on broadcast. The Quack Pack, I love it. That's yep. a great setup. Perfect right? on brand. <laughs> it's great. Uh, we'll go on with the other next question. Jared asks, what were some of the difference building out a broadcast in person versus online? Um, I prefer, uh, I mean, everyone's going to say this. I prefer in person. It's a lot easier to gauge people's reactions while, as opposed to just being in a call. Because when you're on a call, you can't really uh, get, like, get that understanding from body language that you can when you're in person. We can really work in, with one another a little bit easier. Sure, you can DM to try to ask for more, uh, more in-depth analysis from everybody, but just working in person will always be uh, online. The, like I'd say, the main difference is the fact that you gotta visually see the reactions and under know if people truly are down with the, the ideas that you're coming up with, or if it's more just like, eh, we'll give it a try. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel like there is more, and I, I obviously see I see this on from even my side. Obviously, not in front of a camera, but on the brand side. Whenever I'm talking to new prospects or clients, just there's some there's something about being the energy of being able yeah. to pick off one another in the live room that is just like a lot easier um, to, to to kind of make happen whether you're live. So I, I can yep, definitely yep. see that for sure. Yep, yep. yep. Um, what was your first big event? And how did you get involved uh, slash get that big break? So going back to that kind of live thing or, or, or big event, even even if it's online. I mean, that's where it, it's hard for me to quantify it because I feel like I've slowly gotten bigger and bigger events. Which, like, I would have considered this the biggest event. Then this was the, a bigger event than this, than this. And so it's like my first big event, uh, I'd have to see is probably one of the dream hacks when I went in person. Probably was DreamHack Austin. Because that was uh, the one right before, obviously, getting the call for Cloud9, which I'd also put up there in my big breaks. There's just a lot of... That's what I mean. It's like, I just had this weird, like, domino effect where I had a big break, big break. Though I will say, like, 2020, when everything got locked down, I had a whole bunch of things, like, signed and contracts signed that was supposed to be taking me all over the world that were out the window. And I lost so mm. much of that momentum in 2020. So, going into 2021... A big 
step back into the scene was getting the guest spot on the LPL and casting for both splits. And then now I'd argue an even bigger one is being a full-time Academy broadcast uh, shoutcaster for Riot, like working more on a at-home local thing that I've been invested in for years, which is the growth and pipeline of players and the future of LCS. Oh, I love that grind. Um, definitely, it's just an awesome story to hear. Um, I follow up from that actually is, can you walk me and the, and the viewers through a little bit? Um, obviously, a little bit maybe if if you feel comfortable. Obviously, your right. mindset of of what went you know after twenty twenty. Like you know, you it seems like you were on a giant you know walking the stair up. Obviously, COVID was was a very unfortunate and sad situation for a lot of people. But maybe if you could help paint that story yeah. of you know, okay, here's a here's a, a huge brick of adversity, right? Oh, yeah. As a shot caller, what were you thinking? How are you strategizing? Okay, I can get around this because you clearly did. Yeah. Um, and and that's amazing to just see and, and watch. And I'd, I'd love a breakdown and maybe even advice for people who who have run into a wall and, and are trying to look at ways around it and, and, and uh, jump over it. It was genuinely the most difficult point in my mm. uh, casting career so far. Knock on wood. But mm -hmm. that was the point when I got the closest at, at any time in my time chat casting where I'm like, I need to quit. I don't know if I can sustain this. Maybe I need to go back to school. Maybe I need to stop. And I gave myself a time limit. I said, if I don't make it back by the end of 20... Oh, if I don't get something locked in by the end of 2020, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to become a teacher. Because... That's something I've always contemplated doing was becoming a teacher. And so I it was close and I was getting ready to like looking into like different programs and stuff. And then uh but I kept, you know, grinding. I never stopped. I never just said I'm not gonna do any shoutcasting. I always was looking for the next event, always looking for the next thing that I can uh do to uh impress everybody. And uh, I got contacted by uh LPL in December of that year. And they asked me to be a guest for them. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And so I got to do that. And I was on that, you know, for both splits. But I also did proving grounds for both splits. I got to cast the last scouting grounds that is flying. We'll see. Hopefully there's going to be more in the future. But I got to cast the very last scouting grounds uh, in 2021 as well with Raz, which was awesome. And so it's just one of those things that I think it's also like you want to... You want to make it big. You want to get to the the point that, like, even I'm at right now. A lot of people would like and love to have that. But you also have to be realistic with yourself sometimes and know that you need to plan for all contingencies, whether it works or not, because it's competitive. There are so many people vying and fighting for the position that I'm in, let alone for the LCS. And there's even more vying for that, for the LAC, for the LPL, for the LCK. There's so many people trying and fighting for each one of these positions that not everyone's going to make it. There's hundreds. I've, I've met hundreds, if not even close to a thousand different people who are trying to become shoutcasters, both play-by-play -play and color. Well, there's only like, what, a handful of shoutcasters in each of the major regions? It's just not possible for all that to be filled by the thousands of people trying to become shoutcasters. Yeah, that that's really tough. I, and 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 the dynamic that I've always been kind of interested in, because I mean, I you know, I don't want to use the word competition by any means, but I think sometimes, I, I mean, even in my own industry, for example, like being in sales, I think sometimes uh, I'm lucky where it's not like this at TSM at all. But it's almost like you kind of feel like your coworkers could, could technically could be kind of considered competition in some ways. Do you ever do you ever feel that in 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 your in shadow costing? Like, oh, yeah. I, I would imagine that's such a tough situation because I. Oh, yeah. I from who I've met, you guys are all just wonderful people. Uh, it's always, it's always, always feels like there's competition. However, I'm also in the camp that no matter the competition, it isn't always good. I would much rather have intense competition because it will push me to my limits to become a better caster. Mm -hmm. To say, I need to improve here and here and here to make sure I remain on top. That I am the one deserving these spots. I'm the one that deserves to go to the LE, uh, LEC or the LCS or the LC. LCK or LPL next, that I'm the one that they need to look at because I've done so much and I've improved so well. But you can't really get that without the competition. And I mm -hmm. want that. That's why I'm always down to help out people. And I've always said that if there's someone who's looking to become a play by play or a color caster and they just need advice, they can always hit me up. I could always give them some advice to try to help them on their journey because I think it's better 
it's what is it? It's the rising tides raise all ships. Yep. Mentality. Yep. I love like, that. Yep. Yep. You need to, because if you don't, how are we supposed to get better? How are we yeah. supposed to be actually at that level where we feel like we could be in the L uh, LCS? Right? It's just like you're not going to be able to do that if you're at the same level you were two, three years ago. Like I'd even argue for myself, I felt like I stagnated for, for the past like three years. But in these last four months working under Kelsey Moser, I grew more in a, as a shoutcaster than I had in my entire career of shoutcasting. And that just shows you the level of competition, being on top, as well as having a good mentor there to help you build yourself up, can do for you. Any, any, anyone in particular that is a favorite that you've ever worked with? I know you mentioned Ender's name a lot. You, you named him oh, just incredible good people. I mean, he, yeah. Ender's one of my close friends that I've, like I said, he's someone I've worked with since the beginning of my entire career. It's yeah. like, he's an awesome person and love hanging out with him. I wish we could cast more together, but now he's getting more into Valorant. So that's yeah. probably, and I'm not really big into Valorant. So yeah. unfortunately, probably not going to be that. But favorite person to work with. And the thing is, I enjoy so many people I work with. Like, literally everyone on the Academy broadcast, even, like, even the people we brought in as supplemental. For uh, the Proving Ground, such as uh, Beatdown, such as Jolly, Deserex, uh, such as Smacks and Sierra. They were all fantastic to work with. I have no complaints. It's hard for me to have like a singular favorite. Um, like, I'd say Ender was probably one of the few that I would put up there just because I'm good friends with him. Um, I've always wanted to work with Pyrotechnics, another good friend of mine. I just like would love to work with him. Um, Let's see, who else would there be like? But the, the funny thing with Pyra is that we're both play-by-plays, so it, it's not really something likely to happen. But I'm going based off, like, recency bias as well. Someone I think sure. that I just genuinely worked well with would probably be Cubby. Because uh, Cubby and I, it's funny, we have very different approaches to how we go about casting. I'm the more fun, loosey-goosey, silly guy uh, on the, the broadcast, and he's so much more the analytical, serious one who's, like, down-to-earth. But we just have this good vibe together that's almost like an Abbott and Costello routine between the two of us. <laughs> I love that. Worked. It just works so well for some reason. Can we actually uh, uh, pivot a little bit? Because to, um, you know, so you, I think you mentioned uh, a series of just sound, they sound like wonderful people. But I'm sure each, like whenever I watch a broadcast, for example, oh. I see, you know, I, I imagine that each one has a different role. Right, and and I am actually unfamiliar with the space. I'm sure there's other viewers who are as well. But do you can you can you help um, paint the picture of the different roles that typically happen in a broadcast? Whether it be I know there's analysts, there's play-by-plays. Um, you know, I think there's obviously people that narrate the story. Is there any way you could kind of break down those roles and the different intricacies that go into each? Yeah, yeah. So we'll start off with the host. So the host is Dash or Kangas or Mazel. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've seen any of the uh, LCS or Academy broadcasts, they're the ones that really will uh, keep the desk on track, make sure that they're setting up the early storylines that the casters can later build upon and try to get the most conversation started. So people really know the teams before we get into the game. They know the players, they know the stories, they know the history, they understand what is on the line, et cetera, et cetera. And the analysts are the ones on the desk with the host mm who are having the conversation with the host, who are the ones filling out the questions that the host is bringing to them and having that conversation to build up their stories. And then play-by-play uh, -play is essentially like a pseudo-host. That will be the one that kind of leads some of the conversations initially. Like, the desk will throw it to the play-by-play, -play, the play-by-play -play will be like, oh, welcome in, blah, 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 I'm ready for this. The color caster is essentially just coloring in or the play-by-play. -play. They're the ones giving the story on live on the broadcast, like saying, okay, we're seeing this built up. We're seeing them do this, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. Does this work? Does that not work? They're the, t they're the smart people. And then play-by-play, -play, like I said, are pseudo-hosts because they do that, but they're also the hype guys. They're the, the hype people who go in there, get really excited, really loud. It's like, you heard me do the, the counting one through 10 test. It's like that's that's stress test mostly just to make sure I don't blow out the <laughs> the mics. Yeah, because I can talk very fast and very loud, as you've seen both of them. It's that was an amazing crescendo, by the way. I, I don't want <laughs> I don't want to overlook that point. I, I I didn't even it was a random moment, but I I knew that there was something intense at the end of that ten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just but it's one of those things. It's just yeah. that's how it works, and 
So we're, that's what a play-by-play will do. We'll, we'll be the ones talking during a team fight. We'll have a conversation with the color to kind of make it so it's not just the color talking the whole time and the play-by-play only talking when fights happen. Because You do want it to have, be a conversation. So that's where things can get a little muddled because some people argue the play-by-play should always be leading the conversation. Some people argue the color should be the one. I'm kind of the person that it should just be a conversation. It doesn't matter who's really leading the conversation as long as you're both there building up the stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am sure each one obviously comes with its own skills and 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 that you're that's required. Um, maybe in, focusing right now on the shout casting one in specific. I know you you talked about this a little bit earlier, but are there any uh, particular skills that you would recommend kind of learning to practice and improve upon? Any skill uh, that I should improve uh, improve upon, or other people? Uh, or just something that you recommend. Um, yeah, I would say recommend I mean, to other people. Yeah, I, I, tongue twisters. I, I, I'm a big person on the tongue twisters. Yeah, I think that being able to do that, regardless of play by play or color, is going to save you a lot of headache when it comes to not, um, messing up your words, as you can see right there. That's why I'm trying to talk a little bit faster so people can understand that I'm able to talk <laughs> fast while not having to worry about too many things because I do a lot, a lot of tongue twisters. I make sure that I'm not. It's a difficult thing to be able to do. To talk fast like that consistently, especially when you're doing it live, when you're trying to talk about a conversation and look at the screen to see exactly what's happening at the moment. It's not easy for your brain to take that information and quickly transition that to your mouth. So I'd say tongue twisters are a great way to practice. But, I mean, honestly, I think that I talked about it before. Just boot up your own stream. But on a game, I mean... This is why I love when Earth is out, because what I'll do is just get my stream started up, tell people to play a game of Earth, and I'm going to shoutcast. Oh, Earth has got to be crazy. It is great <laughs> practice for any play-by-play. For yeah. play-by-play, that is, the you could not ask for something better. ARAM is okay, but Earth is the best. For yeah. It. So, uh, color casters, I think the best thing they can do is go find a VOD of a different region they don't know very well, and boot it up so they can talk about the games, and also try to see if they can live improvise the research onto the players that are in the game so they can understand why they're doing X, Y, and Z. Do, do you tend to, I, I think it's one of those, that's so interesting because obviously if you, you went on a little bit about being able to talk fast and trying to process your, your, what goes in your mind and, and kind of just vocalize it in words. Cause I too, I, I just naturally talk really fast, but I also am not good at being coherent. So I'm definitely going to try your, your suggestion <laughs> tongue twisters because it, yeah. it'll be mumbled garbage. And my, and my girlfriend, my family, they always make fun of me because I mumble a lot, but I think what I'm trying to say is natural, but it's just bleh, because I, I just, I can't naturally get that in, in translation as I'm sure you practice day and day about, but in terms of shout casting, right? How is it more often that you're obviously kind of looking at what's happening in the screen and you're trying to paint the picture? Because I think a lot of that has to go with, um, I think we have a question from Fudgy Waffles about uh, about observers, right? And, and what you particularly uh, value in observers. So is it, there's so much that goes on in a game of League of Legends, right? How do you kind of paint that imagery, obviously vocalize it? Is it much, okay, I'm going to let the observer, you know, fall, like, lead me. I'm going to look at where the camera's currently at, and this is the, this is what I'm going to narrate. Or is it much about kind of prog- naturally narrating the, the, the what's going on in the game? Um, and I'm sure a lot of it obviously has to do with being able to be, you know, pro- being proficient in League of Legends. But, you know, how much is it to, like, how much is it just following on screen versus narrating the actual game, if that makes sense? It's a mix of both. So, uh, obviously, you know, I'm trying to pay attention to everything. I'm not just paying attention to what's on the screen. I am looking at the minimap. I'm looking at the items. I'm looking at the summoner spells. I'm looking at the timers. I'm trying to look at all these things at once. It it helps when it's all on the screen. But um, there have been, like, the thing I think I value the most from an observer is just being adaptable. Being adaptable and showing what what they think is going to be the most important. And obviously, there are occasions where you're not going to be able to do so. Like, there was a really tough uh, one where I was casting uh, in the Proving Grounds. There's a Cloud9 game where uh, Copy was split pushing as Trindamir and had taken, like, by himself while a fight was happening mid. And so he takes the inhibitor in the bot lane and is pushing to end the game. I think kills both the Nexus certs, but then dies barely. But you couldn't see him taking those Nexus certs because there's the fight happening. But I was able to notice that happening at the same time, and it was just really a weird, really wild series of events. Thankfully for the academy, we have multiple observers, 
that they were able to show both because they had the picture in picture. But for you know up and coming uh, observers, they're not going to have that ability. It's usually just them, so it's hard for that. I'd argue that what Copy was doing wasn't the most vital thing, like briefly showing it for a second so they know what's happening at one time, but all, mostly staying on the action is the more impactful thing. I'm sure the answer is a little bit of both, but follow-up from that is, um, do you think casting has made you a better League player, especially with map awareness, and or has playing League of Legends uh, definitely, obviously, I mean, kind of go hand-in-hand hand here, but it kind of improved your, your casting skills as you kind of know what to look for? Uh... So there's a fiction I like to write about myself with the community that I have played every champion in every single role with every single build you can possibly think of because I like to break the game. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, I, I would argue that I haven't really gotten better as a caster because of it. It's more just, I like to find ways that are going to break the game and see what is going to be uh, the next big thing. Like an infamous one is I played AP Nautilus mid before it was cool. Before anyone had touched it, and before Ender was, was cool. <laughs> Ender was pissed by it. Oh my god! When it became a thing, he was so mad at me. And like, no, no, no. You were bad at it, so it doesn't count. I'm like, bruh, I was playing this like a year ago, and you were watching me play it, and I was getting solo kills. What do you mean? <laughs> so, every single build and every single character. So, 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 Gale Force Tank Yumi. Yep. <laughs> AD uh, Swain bot lane. <laughs> uh, I will say a better one is uh, Lethality Yumi Top. <laughs> lethality Yumi Top. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. That's awesome. That's it's awesome. Worse, it's worse when you solo kill as Zed, <laughs> which I did. <laughs> it Diamond. Diamond won. I mean, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say I'm that high because I, I, I don't really play ranked these days anymore. Like, I'll, I'll sure. play some norms, but mostly ARAMs just for the memes. That's, I think, the biggest thing about becoming a Shoutcaster is losing time to actually play. Because mm. it's far more important for us to watch mm. and to know all the minute details and talk to coaches, to analysts, to players, to other casters about what's going on in the game. Like, I like during the offseason, I'm probably going to play a lot more. I'll have a lot more time. But during the season, I have no time. Like, I'll, mm. I'll barely have any time for an ARAM. I'm actually going to jump ahead to another question because that, that is a great follow-up to uh, a, a question we have. is How much time do you spend outside of events researching League in general to stay up to date? Oh, um, obviously, time. with League being like a super uh, or just interchangeable game, or, you know, adapt, evolving game week by week, patch by patch, um, does that have a lot to do with, 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 uh, w with, with your job and, and kind of how you handle things in, in terms of uh, the meta? I literally am always paying attention. Uh, mm -hmm. It is li always listening, always watching. Even when it's the off season, I'll keep notes on things like either in the back of my mind or I actually do full on research. So that way I'm always up to date. I'm not falling behind and be like going into the next season. Like, uh, I don't know what, where did this come from? Oh, that's mm -hmm. weird. But Swain uh, jungle is now a thing. I'm just, you know, throwing something random out there, but it's like, I don't want to ever be in that position where something creative like that happens, and I don't understand why. I always want to be on the forefront of knowledge and knowing what is going on within the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that that's awesome. I think that's a, such an interesting dynamic because I I I I think with league, it's I think it's so interesting to me because I and I'm traditional sports in in some ways is, is like this too, but uh, league is always just a changing game, and there, I feel yep. like there's so much you have to pick up on, uh, not only in just the game itself but like what's going to be in the future the next patch or the next patch especially for pro play um but it's definitely a trickle down effect uh whether it be you don't have to be a competitive player to understand that you need it there's so, so many elements like it's a different game from season one right <laughs> yes exactly i mean i i miss some of the elements from season one like i miss my old scion that either ap or yeah. ad where the ad was the funniest one <laughs> just dive the fountain you had so yep. much life field no one could stop you um, but yeah, it's it's just always about understanding and adapting. Yeah, I've got one for you. Sunfire Evelyn, early season one, where you could there was no way to detect her, and she would just burn oh, people to death I walking love around. That one, Back, <laughs> she had the sixty second stealth, and it, it was ah, those were those were the days. Let, let me follow up from that. Actually, is uh, what is there? What is your peak favorite League of Legends time? You know, it, I don't know if you you know, you don't necessarily need to pinpoint like a season. Or a specific season, but is there like a a peak peak time in, in the the timeline of League of Legends where you're like, this was my favorite time for one reason or next? Could be now. I I will say 
it's not even a time, it's a champion. Old mm. Karma. Old I Karma. I missed Old Karma because Old Karma lived up to the name of Karma, having abilities that either helped or hurt. It was, I think she was a well-designed champion that nobody understood how to play back then because League was still a newer game, and they just didn't understand how powerful she was. Hmm. I, I think that I would love to see a champion like Old Karma, even if they just literally copy-pasted being brought back into the game, because I think she'd do so well in the in the current meta. So I, I might put money on the table that that's, the new Karma is not your favorite rework? Whatever, is there any actually, specific rework? Actually, it's funny because I actually am really good at karma. I like the new oh. karma. I just miss the old karma too. I I like the new karma. I, it's not like I I'm saying I hate it. I think it was actually a really well designed rework too. It just shouldn't mm -hmm. have been karma. It just yeah. should have been a different champion. Yeah. Is there what? What's your? Do you have a specific rework that you, do you that you like that you like to call out in particular? Um, not really, because I actually, I, I for the most part, I'll play anything and everything. Mm -hmm. I do miss. Because Aatrox obviously is completely uh, different, and my argument with that is like they—he was just Riven 2.0. They should have just made a new champion again for that. I get that the old Aatrox that they felt was toxic and impossible to balance and stuff, but I just like the same with old York. I just think there's certain designs that you could do well with reworking with holding on to their identity. I do argue, want to argue that the York one—they kept a lot of the identity there, except for the fact of like reviving your teammates like they gave to Renata for some reason. But <laughs> York couldn't keep that. Don't know why. Um but it just there are definitely certain things I, I like. I can like about this champion and like about the old champion. The only one I truly miss is old karma. Old karma. That's a good answer. That's funny. Not one day I'd really think about it. I think that's almost for the longest time for me personally karma was a champion that I kind of forgot about yeah, or I just like did. oh shoot. Most She's a champion. Did. Exactly. Because <laughs> they didn't understand how to play her. They don't she was so yeah. powerful, and people had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, we're close to rounding out. I, I, I do want to bring it back into the career side of things as, as the theme of being a TSMU. Um, but you know, with networking being so important in, in not only careers but just a life skill in general, uh, did you do any networking with fellow casters or, or tournament admins? Um, any advice for new commentators slash uh, could start uh, trying to make connections in the space? You'll never be able to escape networking. No matter how mm -hmm. introverted you are, if you want to make it anywhere within esports, you have to network. It's it's just it part of the it's part of the game. It's part mm -hmm. of how you build yourself up. Player, caster, coach, analyst, doesn't matter. You have to know how to network to some degree. For caster, I'd argue it's a lot more. The better you are at uh, networking, of getting yourself in the door with a lot of people, you don't have to become best friends with them, but just have a good relationship with them, with talking to them occasionally. That's something I always kind of fail on, but more just like always following up because I just go, I like a dog chasing cars. I just go one to the next and never stop moving. Um, but it, you just need to learn how to make connections and how to, uh, hell, even cold, cold open or cold message someone just to be like, hey, I'm interested in this. Uh, what what can I do to kind of start? The worst thing they say could say is no. And so I'd always say just kind of work on trying to put yourself out there and trying to see if you can uh, work your way. And obviously, don't be rude about it. Don't be annoying. Mm -hmm. Like you, you message once. If they don't respond, you leave it alone. Um, but stuff like that, where you, you just want to try to see it. Or if you work with them, you then try to build up a rapport with them later. Like talk with them more. Hell, when I went to Austin, Austin, Houston, for the LCS finals, a big part of what I did there is network. Even if I know a lot of the people already, I still need to network with more. It never hurts to uh, learn and meet new people and kind of build up these relationships all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'd imagine too, especially when you're at a live show, almost, I won't say acting, but well, I mean, in a lot of sense acting, but you're really building off, feeding off each other's energy, having a conversation that's broadcasted live people that you know you work well with slash conversation basically conversationally or just like on obviously for whatever reason or not or being friends and just having that dynamic um and, and just wanting to work with people that you like and, and are friends with i'm sure that is, that's almost extra right like i'm sure casters being as big as yourself um you know there's there's definitely this element of like oh i know i work really well with this one person i'd love to be able to bring this person on the show and, and kind of work with them i'm mm -hmm. sure that's a huge element that networking definitely helps out on Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I would also imagine, I feel like with um with with kind of shoutcasting skills not being as quantifiable, you know, what I mean, that's kind of almost that leads you to the next job rather than like, okay, like here's my set skills, here's what I do. It's like, no, I worked really well with this person. Here's how I get my next job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then using that as a relationship for them to kind of help you get another job in the future. Like if they're like, okay, I don't think you'll be a fit for this one, but I want I want to help you because you were awesome. This is, I'll be your reference for this job. And so it's always moving forward, always utilizing what you have to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome. And I think it's, it, this job sounds like it's all about the relationships you build. And I know, I know you talked about a little, a little bit earlier, whereas, you know, who, uh, a lot of it earlier, really, where you were like, you know, people that you've worked with, you've liked working with, even your most enjoyable. Um, where, is there anyone that, like, in particular that you can really kind of call out to? Uh, maybe it's a group of people. I know, you, again, you mentioned Ender being your friend and, and kind of the ones that you, you worked together growing up. Is there anyone you kind of inspire um, or, or look up to? Maybe even not a caster. Maybe it's just someone in your life that you kind of like really kind of not necessarily owe your career to, but it's a huge factor in your career. I mean, if I had to think of like someone that I, I use it more as like a, a milestone is Flowers. Because he's hmm. someone who was, like I said, he's essentially a class above me when you started casting and he's just hit it big. He is so, so fucking good. But my goal now is to be better than him one day is to try to see if ah. I can take that title from him. It is obviously something that people, most people would say is impossible, but I, it doesn't matter. Having something like that to motivate you to constantly get you going is a big thing. Obviously another one would be just to get to the LCS in general, but you gotta, you gotta live big, shoot for the stars. And oh, what is it? It's, Shoot for the moon, you'll end up in the stars. That kind of mentality. You just give yourself a lofty goal, even if you know it's not realistic. It doesn't matter. You put yourself in that position to constantly uh, improve yourself and be better. So I'd say Flowers is definitely someone that inspires me in many ways. But like the person who, who I think, there's two people who I think made me who I am today. And it's my mom, obviously. Oh. Uh, yeah, she's just someone I've always been able to talk to. He's always been really good about like having conversations and. Actually, I even want to, like, I'll, I'll say three people, because my mom and dad have been very supportive of me mm. doing all the casting stuff. My, like, they didn't understand it. My mom was more supportive at first, but my dad was surprisingly supportive, because he's big in sports. He's mm -hmm. big on that that side where it's like, I, I wouldn't have thought that he would have been as supportive of me doing this career as he ended up being. And he has always just been, like, so proud of me when it comes to and I, I couldn't be happier with it. So it's definitely someone who inspires me a lot, but then... The, the last person would be my uh, grandpa, Ernie, even though he, hmm. he passed away back in 2009. But he was someone who always encouraged me to try new things, to branch myself out, to be to like be who I am and just live my life to the fullest that I want it to be. And so that's always been something that I've held in my heart to this day to try to do, to try to live the way that he saw that he wanted me to live. And I think that... Those three people have helped me immensely to become the caster I am now. That that's just that's so awesome to hear. Um, I I too, for me being in esports, uh, my mom is a big hero. It's actually her birthday today Aww. too. So shout out Lily Lee, I love you. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's just so awesome to hear, and and I, I love hearing that with other esport professionals that I've met throughout my career because I feel like I mean now you can definitely it's an easy argument where esports is huge but I'm sure there was and especially during the, the timeline that you painted that yep. um you know it was kind of questionable you know what I mean it's like okay like where is esports they just I know it's all out of love but you know they obviously want to make sure we're doing well and we're healthy going yeah. into our careers and whatnot um and so I think that's just really cool to hear that your parents and your mom and dad and, and grandpa were very supportive um and, and to a point where I'm sure they're watching uh your games I'm, I'm again I don't even I'm not even on the live experience but i i'm lucky enough for my parents love cheering tsm on put yeah. put the tsm gear on the walk around and they, <laughs> you know they're just supporting my son rather than and knowing yeah. anything about league of legends that's so. how my parents very much do try to watch and they'll listen they're like you sounded great i'm like did you understand anything not at nope. all <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah I, 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 I tried watching one of our playoff games a couple of years ago with my, my dad and mom and they were just cheering because they it just they were waiting for my reaction <laughs> they're like ah okay it's a good moment <laughs> that's cool. funny and cat flowers too i think that, i love that narrative that you painted earlier i think nothing is impossible i i, I he just sounds like a, such an awesome person he's with an amazing person. energy he's a great person yeah yeah and i think the only thing that i would say is impossible is being a scarner as as much of a scarner fanboy maybe <laughs> but i do then. i do have a good fun story like before we end all this and yeah stuff, with me playing with flowers it was like one of the few games i actually have played where it's like 
trying to play somewhat seriously. Obviously, he was playing Skarner. I was playing uh, Viger mid. I was unranked while everyone else was Diamond or Challenger. Yeah. And so um, I'm playing Vigar, and he's trying to invade the enemy jungler. And he, he starts getting pressed, like fighting with the, the jungler. And then their mid shows up and tries to fight him. Well, Vigar, and they're at they're behind the rap- raptors, so I couldn't get to them easily. So I just flashed over the wall, put the baby cage down, and we kill both of them. And he immediately said, he's like, that is the most Chad Vigar move I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Because he's never seen a Viger willing to just flash that aggressively over a wall to help get a double kill. Oh, man, that's funny. I, I too, do not really think about when to use flash. I just, if I see kill, especially if I'm Warwick, it's probably in trouble. Flash but is an offensive summoner spell. <laughs> I will live by that mantra. I will die by it. I love it. I love it. And I think that's what carves out the, the amateur players to the best shout call caster <laughs> that I've ever met. Um, but with that said, Magical, I wanted to thank you so much for joining on the show. Um, I me. love your energy and you just sound like an amazing person. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see you make it to that LCS stage because I have full confidence that you will, man. Knock on wood. Knock on yeah. wood. I'm Knock on wood. Right. Keep grinding it. Hopefully one day, maybe next year. Who knows? You'll see me on the big stage. Awesome. I can't wait. And I'll definitely be wearing that shirt, cheering you on. I'll, yeah. I'll put my poster on. I'm here for Magical and Magical. Yeah! <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> um, and with that said, everyone, I want to thank you guys all for viewing. We apologize if you were here for the little technical difficulties. But I'm really glad we powered through because this show was was really cool. Uh, and I had it a good time. I hope you did too. Um, don't forget to join us next week, May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard for another amazing TSMU show. Um, be sure to follow the channel so that you know when we're going live. Um, and please do join TSMU for all your TSMU news and topics at discord.gg slash TSMU. Thanks, everyone.